Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. Data recording, August 15th, 2022. <laughs> Spirits are not good for me. Uh, you know, normally I'd be able to be happy about the fact that it's episode 69 and all the fun that could come with that. <laughs> it is just a really, really hard couple of weeks for me. And, you know, you wait for so long for soccer to be back and you're so excited for it and then it just bends you over and just does horrible horrible unspeakable things to you morale is at an all-time low we 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 had when we were in post of our last episode we had talked about how we should definitely cultivate a fun and you know innuendo driven episode for our 69th episode and i just i didn't have the heart to to approach today with a lot of levity um sorry to to interrupt your your uh intro donnie i just i'm sorry buddy well the kind of 69 that i'm experiencing as if someone is putting sand down my throat while simultaneously shoving shards of glass into my urethra so in a sense, I guess that's a 69 of sorts. Um, it's Satan's 69, and I, I'm not I in a good do, place. I do owe an open-air apology to you and to the city of Manchester. I was unfounded and frankly irresponsible when I selected Man United to finish fourth. And I would like to apologize. Donald, I am sorry. From the depths of my bottomless void that is where my heart's supposed to be, I am sorry. I refuse to accept that apology, but first... To the byline. It's in, it's an goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Usually on this podcast, we talk about transfers and news and all that kind of thing. And let me tell you, when your team is in dead last in their league, it is not easy to run a soccer podcast. And so I'm going to briefly address the elephant in the room. (laughs) That is Manchester United. And so this is how I'm just going to, I'm not going to talk about anything. I'm not going to break it down. I'm not going to go on rants about the club. I've talked about that before. Um, what I'm going to say is this is what I've been doing to deal with it over the weekend. So my wife and I have lived in our current house for 13 months. And for the first time I took out my Xbox 360, the most recent game console I own. And I pulled out the most recent iteration of FIFA that I own, which is FIFA 15. (laughs) And I plugged it all in, and I couldn't find batteries. And it's midnight. And I drive to the gas station and buy AA batteries. Donnie, are you okay? <laughs> oh, does it sound like I'm fucking okay, dude? No! 
the fuck kind of question is that? Are you okay? If you saw someone get their dick cut off with a hacksaw, would you ask them if they're okay? No, they're fucking gushing blood from their cock. They're, or where their cock used to be, I'm not fucking okay. Are you okay? No. Short answer. About batteries. And FIFA 15 is particularly significant for me. Because in the real life season, it, fall, it's, it would be the season that would begin 14-15. Which means David Moyes was just fired for Man U. And in my mind, I'm going back in time, and I'm making all the transfers and all the moves that the club should have made. Oh, boy. And just, what? That, that's my only way that I can cope. What are the, what are, so, you're, are you making these moves in hindsight knowing, like, like you're, you're not, there's two ways to do that. Making the moves that in 2015 you thought United should have been making, or are you making those choices with knowledge of, of how things pan out? A little bit of both, because I signed both Memphis Depay and Di Maria. Okay. Because I do think that if the structures were in place and the system was in place, both of those players should have succeeded. They've been they've been successful everywhere else they've played. For sure. Who else did you sign? Just like top three. Um, I Those were the two that I signed. Um, I think that's it. I, I played Marcus. Oh, no, no, no. I signed David Alaba as a left back, a move Manchester United should have made seven, eight years ago. Um, Valencia is a fine right back. I have Marcus Rojo playing as the left center back with Chris Smalling. De Gea is still good there. Um, and then I came to a realization. Okay, Paul Pogba is the most talented midfielder man you have had in the post-Ferguson era. But the lack of consistency of his availability is an issue. Which makes it the inescapable conclusion that Ander Herrera was the best midfielder, and why did we let him go for nothing when he wanted to stay? These are the things that are just and, boggling me. And and you, they let him go like right after he was United's Player of the Season, right? Like that was, I remember that he was like, like United picked him as the Player of the Season. He wanted to stay, and then you guys didn't renew him. Why? And that made and then, no and, sense. And you know where he went? He went to a better team in PSG. A better team wanted him. That. So, anyway, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Actually, that season I sold Van Persie where I could make money for him knowing the steep decline was coming um, and made a fat sum of cash from him. Rudy's playing in the hole. I'm getting a one last good year out of him before I sell him. Send him to MLS. Yeah, so it's been very therapeutic for me. It's not healthy, though, because I'm living in an it's alternate reality. It's a bit regressive, reality. right? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit regressive. Yeah. But honestly, Donnie... Whatever, whatever it takes right now, I think, is, is... We are so dangerously close to midnight on the Doomsday Clock. <laughs> anyway, transfer since the last pod. I'll let you take this first one, Eric. This is one of your guys, kind of. I mean, he, he was going to be one of my guys, and then, and then uh, he... Ended now he's a French guy. So, uh, Renato Sanchez officially joined PSG. He had been linked to Milan all summer, terms agreed, but then the sporting director that I think brought him to Lille or somewhere in the French League ended up going to PSG and has great connections with him. So Renato down to PSG, I mean, it's a great, talented team for him. I It would be cool if he can crack his way into the starting lineup. It's going to be a little disappointing if he ends up just being like, you know, a 60-minute, 70-minute super sub for them because he's a player that you and I have always been really, really interested in and enjoyed watching. 
and we're not going to watch him in the fucking league. Uh, Uber Eats bullshit. Yeah, since the 2016 Euro when he was the uh, Young Player of the Year. That was six years ago. I guess he's not as young now. Yeah. But still, uh, yeah. Um, Frankie de Jong. What a saga this is. Barcelona do not want him. He doesn't want to leave until he gets paid his back wages. Understandably, by the way. He wants he wants to be paid the money that that Barcelona themselves said, Frankie, you play you come to us from Ajax, and this is what we're going to pay you. And then Frankie, it's COVID. Will you accept these wages as deferred? Yes. And now it's Frankie. We don't want to give you the wages at all. Um so they're trying to convince either his two biggest suitors, Chelsea or Manchester United, to pay said deferred wages as part of a transfer. And I just feel like this only ends with De Jong signing for Chelsea. There's just, there's no way that it ends with him at Barcelona. And there's equally no way it ends with him at Manu Because that would require some sort of level of competence. Or it would, <laughs> the counter is, it would show a severe concern in Frankie De Jong's decision-making <laughs> faculties. Yeah, he would have to be tested. Yeah. Um, or put in the institution. I mean, after, after this last week's performance, I, it's hard to see that. What that, performance? That, what performance? There was no performance. That, that, the, after, the, after the absence of a performance. The lack of a performance, <laughs> the lack of something in a way still is something. And um, I don't know, man. I, I can't see. I, I agree with you. I can't see Frankie picking United. I guess... The other side is, you know, Tuchel's system. I, I have many, many things to say about Tuchel's system, but it's you've got the, the two pivot midfielders, right? And it, it feels like it's Conte and Jorginho. Then obviously you've got the the next two on the Christmas tree, which is always Mount, and then it's a rotating of somebody else, and then you're for sure going to have Raheem, Raheem Sterling up front. So and you're for sure going to have Pulisic on the bench. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but if I'm if I'm uh, Frankie Dijon, I don't know. Like, that's just one. That there's only one midfield spot that he could potentially play in. You know, he and he may fancy his chances over Kai Havertz or whoever whoever it could be in that spot. I just the the other side is United gives him better chance at seeing the field. If I'm having to to. If I'm having to, and I could see United being like, yeah, we'll pay your deferred wages a little bit. Manchester more, right? United choose to start Harry Maguire over Raphael Barane. So the idea that they wouldn't choose to start Fred or the abomination that has become Scott McTominay over De Jong, like, who fucking yeah, knows, his, dude? His old Ajax buddy, Donnie Vandebeek, is probably calling them being like, just don't, don't do it, man. Yeah. Oh, going back to the, what, what, how Barca are trying to force him out, have you seen what they're doing to uh, Martin Braithwaite? What are they doing to him? So, you know, they signed him was a start for the start of last season, and they have decided that he's not part of their project anymore. So they told him to start at this window, find a new club, and Braithwaite doesn't want to leave Barcelona, um, and he also doesn't want to not make the money that they contractually agreed to pay him when they brought him on so 
they are threatening to terminate his contract. Obviously, they'll still have to pay him the money, but it sounds like what they are, are, are claiming is if he doesn't comply with their request to find a new, a new home, they're going to wait till the last minute of the transfer window, terminate his contract, and therefore he can't sign with another team in European uh, football. Until December. Until December. Uh, January. Yeah, January, excuse me. What a dick move. Yeah. I will say this. this, this club is fucking evil. No, it for sure is. I've, I, have, I have said that for years. There there was a time when Real Madrid were forcing Iker Casillas out and developing a stigma of not treating their legends properly. That there was, there was at that time, it was like, you know, of we have to always compare the two La Liga giants. And it seems like Barcelona is the one that treats their players well. Um, that is that is completely gone, and I, I mean, I think anybody would argue today somehow Fiorentino, Florentino Perez's team and, and and organization treat their players better than whatever this abomination of a board and player personnel back office is. Good thing that uh, Brent, Martin Braithwaite has going for him is I've read a lot about how he's one of the best soccer players with his money in the game in terms of off-the-field investments is made. Like, he's been really good about his money. Cool. So, that does not say that, like, Barcelona should just be able to fuck him like that. What I'm saying is, you know, good good for him for just being prepared for a worst-case scenario. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of shouting out his uh, financial acumen or, or surrounding himself with the right people. I, I don't think this will be... But, like, even, even if it goes through this way, if they terminate his contract, they have to pay him all of the money for all of the years left on his contract. So well, no, 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 no. Yes, they have to, or they could not. He can sue them, and then they can try to settle out for something less. Like there's a strategy yeah. behind breaching yeah, contracts. Yeah, but Donnie, Donnie, you have to have money to go through uh, lawsuits, and I don't, I don't think Barcelona has that. But Braithwaite does. He can out litigate them. He can outlast Dude, you them. Should, you should, you should reach out. Try to. Uh, Hi. Try to get, I, try I can't that. practice law in any European country. But yeah, but. What about, like, a wartime consigliere? I'm sure he's got a... If he needs to look for me as a wartime consigliere, he's got bigger problems to worry about. I'm fucking living in the past in a video game, living seven years in the past. So, you know, I have my own fucking bag of issues to deal with. A <laughs> um, couple of U.S. Uh, men's national team kind of fringe guys making moves. First, we have Conrad de la Fuente has been loaned out to Greek giants Olympiakos. Who do play in a league yeah. called the Super League, which I think is funny. <laughs> not the Super League, not, not, not the Turkish Super League, which is the best league in the world. Best league in the uh, world. But, but, you know, we're if you can get him playing time, he's kind of been out on the fringes of his last couple. I'd be, um, sh- I'd be shocked if he made the World Cup team. I, I don't even, like, I want to make a playing time not even for the World Cup squad, just like. For his own sake. For his own sake, and, you know, maybe he can find his way back in later in the picture. Because he's not, I don't mean, it's not like he's Kyle Walker. He's not old. That's a that's a running joke for, for long-time listeners of the podcast. Um, and then Matthew Hoppy is going to Middlesbrough, where he'll be playing alongside the on-loan Zach Steffen. What the fuck did Matthew Hoppy do to his head? He looks so bad with that hair. He looks like he had such an aesthetic look and such a great haircut before, and now he looks like you know the Slim Shady, uh, the Eminem 
music video for well, the real Slim Shady Please Stand Up where there's just all like the doppelganger M&Ms. He looks like the yeah. worst of the doppelganger M&Ms. <laughs> like the very worst of them. Uh, he looks like it, he got beat with an ugly stick. It looks so bad. Um, Timo, but that's, 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 that's exciting, you know. Yes. We kind of have a precarious state of where our striker pool... Let Jesus take the wheel. Are, I mean... I have concerns putting putting my blind faith in somebody who is cooking it up in MLS. You know how I yeah, feel about the too. league. I just like uh, I just wanted to say, let Jesus take the wheel. Interesting uh, update: Josie Altador made a, a transfer move over to Liga MX and scored in his debut. That's that would be a throwback. If we that, I don't think that'll happen. But what's Josie like? Twenty nine right now. There is no way he's only twenty nine. Hold on. Josie. He can't be 30. Is he like 32? Oh, that's kind of disappointing. He's 32. He's going to turn 33 in November. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think he's actually... Gonna... In your mind, he's dead. <laughs> By your standards, he's dead. He should fucking retire, according to you. I, well, yeah. I know. He medically died like three years ago, I think. Um, no, I, I, just, I just saw that and I thought that was... That was kind of interesting because if there was a striker pool that would allow for some fringe surprise from the past to, to make their way, it would be a striker pool that looks like this. And is I would rather Clint Dempsey unretire, and we call up Clint Dempsey. Even God if he didn't play a minute, if we get 26 guys, you might as well use one on a veteran who scored at three World Cups, and we'll just bring so much juice to the locker room. I mean, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. Um. So yeah. So, yeah. It, it. It. Well, I guess we'll. We'll probably start sprinkling more like state of the U.S. and potential squad moving forward. But we're gonna save our pure like U.S. deep dive probably for some time in I guess October or maybe the beginning of November. Yeah, I think we will do like the deepest, deepest dive into U.S. when we get the um twenty six man roster. And then probably like seven to ten days after that episode, we'll do the, just the deep World Cup episode. Yeah. And then like we'll be potting a lot, you know, after the group stages of the World Cup, some of the significant knockout rounds. But that's all in the future. Um, speaking of over the hill strikers, Timo Werner went back to RB Leipzig on a permanent deal and immediately scored. So I, I had this as a note. I didn't know where to where to put it in, and I tested this to you immediately after these things happened. Well, because it, Big because Rom. it feels your anti-Tuchel propaganda. Big Rom spent two minutes away from Chelsea and scored a goal. Timo Werner scored a goal in his first 45 minutes away from Chelsea. I think it was in his 31st minute away from Chelsea. These are talented attacking players. It is time for the world to admit it wasn't they who failed their manager. Their manager failed them. Just like he's failing Christian Pulisic. Just like he's failing Pulisic. Just like he's failing Kai Havertz. Just like he's failing Mason Mount. Just like he will be failing Raheem Sterling. I don't care if he fails Mason Mount. I, fucking, I don't care. I either. fucking hate that guy. I don't really have a good reason for hating him. I just do. Fuck him. Well, it's just annoying how he gets a free pass every time he fucks up or does is or is inconsequential. English, baby. He's yep. English. But like you look at the stats from last season, and I think Pulisic was either the most or the second most clinical player on Chelsea. 
yeah, he's the fucking problem. No, he's not the problem. It's and it's. I always call it the the Christmas tree formation. It's not the formation in and of itself that's an issue. Um, Spurs and Conti run the same actual numerical structure, but it's the tactics. They are so overly reliant on their attacking fullbacks that they suffocate all creative space from their attacking front. Yes, and speaking. Sorry. Of- I- Sorry, I, I, I got ahead of myself. No, it's okay. But, Speaking of fullbacks, City did sign a fullback, Sergio, uh, highly touted Spanish fullback Sergio Gomez from Anderlecht. They may loan him back out depending on how the rest of the transfer window shakes up, but there are disturbing, disturbing rumors that they're looking at one of my favorite fullbacks in Rafael Guerrero, and that would not be fun for me. No. I, and, like... It was out of the question that he would be eligible for United after they signed uh, Sandra Martinez because you can't have two sub five ten defenders on your back line. Uh, we can see how 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 problematic it is having one of them. Um, obviously, the one you'd rather have is probably Rafael Guerrero. Uh, but just 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 FYI, it would be hard for a third party observer to think. Are you being a good friend? Are you rubbing my nose and shit like I'm a bad dog? It just like I don't know what you're accomplishing here. I don't feel good about it though. I just wanted to communicate that to you. So say like it's one thing to know that this guy like won't be looked at or interested in going to Man United, but Man City, do they have like that? That would he's not, honestly... not going to start over Cancelo. That's the thing. No, he would just go there to sit on the bench, which is such a waste because he is one of my favorite Bundesliga players to watch. He is a thrill factory. It would be like pulling a Zinchenko. Like when Zinchenko moved to City, it's like you're gonna play a lot of a lot of non Champions League cups, and then you'll get Premier League games when there's an important Champions League game, like before, you know coming up right after it. Yeah, and then obviously suspensions and injuries. But that's Guerrero's a guy that we want to be able to see week in week out when we tune into. I mean, ideally, I'd love if he could just stay stay at Dortmund for a while. Like that's. Pull Marco Royce to kind of follow his footsteps. Maybe less injuries. Oh, well, that's the other guy I signed. Royce? Nah, it's... I signed Royce. Because that's back awesome. then, you wouldn't know about the injuries. And who knows? A different league, different doctors, different method. You can't say he would have the exact same injury pattern. You you can't. I don't think you can. Yeah. He would run into different players. Like, it would, it would, like he takes to Holden into a different scenario, he doesn't have a certain asshole wrecking his knees, and then that maybe sets him all day. Yeah, whole butterfly effect, sliding doors. I get it, man. Sorry, um, sorry. I just went back to my uh, mental simulation. I'm living, in, I'm living in 2015, and by the way, 14 games, man, you haven't lost one. Can Can we talk about a transfer rumor? We can. A United rumor. It also involves a, the U.S. men's national a, team player. A fullback rumor. It is uh, there. There are rumors that are gaining some traction about Serginho Dest United. You know, obviously he has uh, played for that bald fuck Eric Ten Hag before. Don't fucking laugh at me. We're in twentieth place. I'm just thinking about how quickly, how volatile these uh, bald fraud, bald, bald power rankings are. Oh, I'm not doing a full bald power rankings, but I will say this. Greg Berhalter is no longer the last person on the bald power <laughs> rankings. Eric Ten Hag is now dead last. You fucking bald prick. Does the fact that his name is Eric make you like me even less than you did before? 
I, I can tell by your reaction, yes. I can, without a doubt, clearly yes. I plead the fifth on that one. But because this is not a vid- visual vi- visual medium, the uh, the audience does not pick up on that, so I'm just trying to articulate it for them. I have no idea what you're talking about. He had the smirk. Uh, I had never smirked man. a day in my life. He had, he had the smirk like he had been thinking about it this entire time, but was never going to bring it up or mention it. You know, conflicted about Serginho Desta United though. It would be a uh, it would be a big upgrade in the position for United, but it would be a big downgrade for Serginho Desta to go to a title challenging Champions League team to a team in a relegation battle. I I don't think it would be a downgrade for him, uh, considering from Barcelona. I think you could say maybe depending on what other clubs he could move to, it, it could be a downgrade in that sense. But he is he. He doesn't seem to be in the picture at Barcelona. And if, if, if the price is really $20 million, that would be a bargain for United. Yeah. And, and like, he's not – Dest needs to play, right? He's at a point in his career where he needs to be logging minutes to get better. Yep. Like, yes, it's great that you can train with really talented players, but if you're not getting those game minutes – we've seen how Zach Steffen has kind of taken um, a, a step down in his performances. Uh Dest needs to play. So, leaving Barcelona to a club that, yeah, maybe on the the competitions they're in and the table they're in don't look as hot, but at least we, we know they're going to be financially solvent in the next you know, five years. So, that's a bonus. Can we just move on to the news? It, I, yeah, we can. It would be really fun, though, I think, to see. I think seeing Dest playing have- for two. Here's the thing. I have vowed to not buy any sort of Manchester United anything until the Glazers sold it. But if Serginio Dest went to Mania, I'd buy the home and the away jersey for him immediately. <laughs> it's incredible how my patriotism of an American fullback, who I truly still believe is has the most technical talent of any player like eligible for the pool today. I think he is the most technically gifted player we have. It's just we haven't seen it translate in the, in the game setting, if that makes sense, fully yet. I just think his technical we've, we've ability. Seen, we've seen flashes yes. of it, right? We've seen evidence that it's there. Yes. Um. Yes. Obviously, all of my other principles will go out the window immediately. Um. I would obviously love that. I really hope it happens, but you know, uh, I've learned that when it comes to Manchester United these last almost ten years, I'm just really only set up for disappointment and so much pain. Um, okay, the news. UEFA Champions League is following suit with FIFA in implementing semi-automated offside technology known as SAOT or SAOT. Um, yes, of course. And apparently this is going to be better than VAR and be faster. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it's, it's supposed to speed up that whole process. I haven't dove into the technicalities of it. I'm sure we'll get some half-assed like explanation when Champions League starts up, and then we'll definitely get some uh, around the some of the packages that Fox is going to do for the World Cup, right? They're going to so yeah. Um, okay, this is just one of the great. This is going to be an Oni category or an Oni uh, participant, but so okay. The short of it is, Mauro Cardi and Wanda Cardi are getting a divorce. And this is how we found out. On the TV program, 
L.A.M. An audio of Wanda was played where she said, I am in Argentina because I am divorcing uh, Mauro. I can't anymore. The problem with this is that Wanda is also <laughs> Mauro Cardi's agent. And we covered part of this months ago on the podcast. We did. When, like, there were rumors that they had split. They hadn't divorced. But they had split because uh, Wanda caught Mauro Cardi with some, like, famous... Uh, I think Chilean actress or something like that. And there was, and then, and then a few weeks later she came out like spitting fire at all these people saying that like the connection that her and Mara have is so strong and it can't be broken. Um, so this is the culmination of all that. It will be very interesting to see if Mauro changes agents. I know he's looking That would be incredible if they got divorced, but Wanda was still his agent. <laughs> the tension in gonna... those debate, like negotiations with clubs. So tense. I-, I know he's been wanting to make a move out of PSG. He doesn't play. Um, I think he's still there, but uh, I- I've heard rumors of him trying to go back into Syria, maybe with recently promoted Monza. Um, but just rumors. Great pronunciation of Monza, by the way. I have no idea how to pronounce it. I just know Preston said we did it wrong, and I just, I, I don't know, man. Um, this story, though, is an incredible story, and uh, I'm just going to show you something before we start the story. <laughs> um, Playboy model Daniela Chavez, 35, wants to buy Chilean professional football club O'Higgins FC. What a wild name for a soccer team. Incredible (laughs) name. Holy Uh, shit. And it's claimed she has already made $8.5 million from her OnlyFans account two weeks after starting a fundraiser. So she needs a total of $20 million. So that's, um, what, another $11.5 million to be able to buy the club, which is based in her hometown of Rancagua, Chile. This is an incredible story. Uh, I have looked for an update. I haven't gotten an update yet, but I really, really hope that this Playboy model buys this club, O'Higgins. I just think that's incredible. It's now my favorite Chilean club. Wow, good lord. Um, okay, this next story is just... What is happening in Barcelona? How is any of this allowed? This is like... It feels like it's not even real. So, Barcelona... Might set up or might be set, might have already done this. Wait, it's like a rumor. Already, yeah, it might have already set up its own company to buy its assets. <laughs> There's some Spanish radio claiming Barcelona jointly set up a holding company to which it paid 150 million of its own money to buy its own assets to inflate the value of sale because with the Bundes with the La Liga uh, restrictions on uh, wage spending to income you have to hit certain you know markers so la liga rejected it as not new money and barcelona must now pay 37 and a half million euros in taxes on this okay so for some reason you and i can almost both agree that of all the media's in Europe for soccer, Spanish media is the most like you never know Unreliable. if it's true. They just Unreliable. they shoot from the hip. So this story may not be true. We're not Could saying it's bullshit. true. 
But the fact that I'm not dismissing it out of hand, that like the fact that I think it's a 50-50 is what's insane. Dude, I I need I need an all or nothing documentary on inside the accounting staff at Barcelona. <laughs> Could you imagine the, the hard knocks know. narrator being like, and here we have Juan. Juan's sole job is to just make up fraudulent numbers. The entire Ponzi scheme relies on Juan. And it's just like some guy in glasses and like a tie just like sitting at a computer. <laughs> punching, punching the old school calculators that had like the, the, the printouts. On the, uh... <laughs> um, and Barca also, also had that player registration drama where it wasn't until the day La Liga started. Like on the like eve of it that they were able to register all their new signings. Kessier, Chris. All but one. Jules Koundé has not been able to be registered yet. But it was only Christensen and Kestia that had the clause that they could leave for free if they weren't registered in time. So And they also they, got Lewandowski and Rafinha. Yeah, they, they got the they got Lewandowski and Rafinha, which I feel like were the big ones. Yeah. They kind of got everybody but Jules Kunde. And the plan is if if they and they had to they had to access it, they had to, to sell off a whole nother uh like twenty five percent of that Barcelona I don't know, studios shit uh to to bring in the money to register these players and now i think what they need is to to move a player or two and they'll be able to bring in uh Koundé officially but apparently barcelona are claiming they have eyes on three more signings on top of Koundé. so they're gonna have to offload i mean i guess if they can't but like canceling braithwaite will give them um i guess wage right. flexibility but it won't give them an influx for uh Transfer. transfer fees. So I, don't, I mean, dude, I, I don't, I don't think money is real. When I follow the Barcelona financial, quote unquote, issue, apparently it's not an issue. Technically, like most money isn't backed by any sort of like gold or silver standard. So most money really isn't real if we get down to it. True, but it's almost like it's a fugazi. It's a fugazi. It's. Uh yeah, that. Uh, a lot smarter people that us have tried to break down the Barcelona situation and don't understand it. So if you came here looking for answers on own goal podcast, I just, I have to know, are they geniuses or are they the world's worst accountants? I think we'll find out in time, honestly, because they're with their, and we'll get into this in the, in uh, the mailbag for D bags too, a little bit, but we'll, yeah. we'll get, we'll pick it up there. Um, and speaking of segments are back because soccer is back. Yeah, baby. So our favorite segment of the podcast, as we all know, is Hot Guy of the Week. Eric, who is your Hot Guy of the Week? I love this because it's great when I can make it a, a homer pick. And I'm going with your boys. Team soccer is back. Italy is red for the season, baby. And Milan got off to about as concerning a start as you can get off to when they conceded a goal in the first minute of the game. That's Literally the start of the game, we conceded a goal. So that was a concerning start. But played really well across the remaining 89 minutes and ended up with a, a pretty comfortable 4-2 win. Um, and my boy Ante Rebic played incredibly well. There actually were a couple really strong performances, but Ante Rebic scored two goals all of last season. Uh, what He came in as a left winger, so in Leao's amazing blow-up, he was relegated to the bench a lot. 
Rebic got the start at striker this year or this season this this week just with like Ibrahimovic out for a while. Giroud uh, wasn't ready to give a full ninety, and Rigi still getting put in the squad. And Rebic came in like, "Hey, fuck! You guys didn't need to upgrade striker position. I got this shit on lockdown and had a really strong performance, notching two goals already." Um, the Milan offense always plays a lot better when Rebic is able to perform because he can score, he can link up, and he also is a dynamite pressing uh, in the opposing third. Yeah, he's a really dynamic player. Totally agree. He's, he's, he's a good-looking dude. He's a good-looking dude. My next guy kind of has boyish charm, much like a young Justin Bieber. He notched not one, not two, but three assists for Atletico Madrid today. He is a guy I've been high on who is picking up right where he left off in the second half of last season where he was red hot. It's my boy, Ja Felix, who dropped three assists today. I love that guy. He did get cucked by Pedro Porro, but that aside, that's his, that's that didn't happen this that didn't, that didn't happen this week or last week. So, exactly. You know. That's all in the past, baby. Three assists. You know, I love to see that for him. I think he's an exciting player. Uh, he can do so much, and I'm just glad he's picking up right where he left off. My, my biggest critique of Jao Felix has been I wish he went somewhere that played more fun attacking soccer than Atletico Madrid. Um, but he's he's a blast to watch. Um, and, I mean, three three assists to start the season. That's exciting. When you can when you can set up Antoine Griezmann to score, uh, he hasn't scored in La Liga since November, you're doing something pretty good. Yeah. Um, and he is connected both by name and by country to my fullback of the week. That's our next segment, which is Jao Cancelo of Manchester City. Um, just, and then, you know, he, Manchester City have started out with back-to-back clean sheets in their first two games. Um, Cancelo basically kind of being on, you know, having that left side on lock and he does so much dynamic stuff going forward. And it's not, there's not really anything specific to him this week other than, you know, he kept clean sheets. He played well, you know, he didn't have like a goal or anything, but I think when people want to talk about best Premier League fullbacks, I don't think his name gets a lot of respect. And as a Man U fan, I'm saying like, this guy can flat out fucking play. And, and he can do both parts of a fullback. He can attack and defend. The yeah. name that is often thrown around for best Premier League fullback can't play defense. Yes, which is Trent Alexander-Arnold, who cannot yeah, he play, can't play defense. De- so he, to me, is ineligible for almost... He has to have a, a, a strong defensive week and do the shit he normally does, which he hardly ever does both of those. Um, I'm glad that you threw somebody in from Man City because... I, I, I had to go with my homer pick for AC Milan for the Hawkeye of the Week. The other person that was up there was going to be Kevin De Bruyne, who has but gotten... But Eric, he's this, 31. Who has gotten this off to a blistering start this season. Yeah. That outside-the-foot goal was sweet. He's got some sick, nasty assists already. Um, but I instead, as we know, went with Andre Rebic. My fullback of the week is throwing a bone to a team I have a lot more issues with than I have uh, praise for, especially uh, last season or two. Uh, but Chelsea fullback Reese James. Mm. Mm. Scored, sc- I mean, scored a goal in a testy, testy uh, London battle with between Chelsea and, and Tottenham. Uh, he's gotten, I think, off to a really strong start this season. If he can stay healthy... Um, I mean, Tuchel's system is designed to let fullbacks do all the work. 
um, and, and suffocate all of his attacking players. So it's great for Reese James. It sucks for other people, though. Question. You are Gareth Southgate's. Oh, God. Who do you start at right back? Reese James or Trent Alexander-Arnold? Or Kyle Walker, I guess. No, he does the three back, three center back system, and puts Kyle Walker at, at center back. So right, so I, mean, I, I, I bet technically he was an option, but in his system, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you start um, Reese James or Trent Alexander Arnold at right back? So I guess the question is: Is it really just me as the manager of the England team, or am I actually Gareth Southgate? No, no, no. It's like, you as the manager of the England team. Okay, because like, so I'm not thinking about the system that he, that he would run for England, which is right? why I offered Kyle Walker. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, yeah. I would go fourth back, not three at the back. I as would I. There's a reason England can't score from live play, um, and because I'm at four at the back, I have one less defender. I need somebody who I can better rely on to play defense. So I probably am going Reese James over to Alexander Arnold. I would play Reese James at right back over Trent Alexander-Arnold as well, but I would play Trent Alexander-Arnold Alexander in the midfield. Okay, well, I was thinking I'd probably – what I would do is, is Reese James and then games where I need a goal, either we're tied or we might be down, uh, second half, I would probably sub him for Reese James to give me a more attacking, you know, better, better balls in the box, that kind of thing. But it's, no. a, it's a good question. I mean, you know I, I don't slob on Trent alexander an arms knob like the Liverpool media complex reporting out of England do. Yeah, uh, I just he he can't track players uh, on his side. He can't of the, do. The, he literally the, cannot do half of his job. It's it's amazing how he just doesn't track players that are like in his space when the ball's on the other side. He just, he ball watches on defense. That's all he does. Yeah, dude, Mitrovic in the first game like it's uh, he he not only. Just tied owned. for the golden boot, tied for the lead of the golden boot, baby. Not only owned Trent Alexander Arnold, but also made Virgil Van Dyke exposed. Yep. Uh, and that goes right into our Gooby of the week, which was today. <laughs> In this Liverpool Crystal Palace game, there was a corner, the ball was like kind of pinballing amongst people, and Virgil Van Dyke went to hit it, and then his landing foot slipped under him, and he kind of tumbled over. It was like one of the most unathletic movements I've ever seen by a professional athlete. It. I was gonna say this. Maldini and Vidic never would have. Never. 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 Um. Okay. Last segment before we get to our lead mail bags. Uh, mail bags for D bags. This one is from um Big Polish Sausage Six Nine Six Nine. Um. They call it a kielbasa. Yeah. Um, dear gentlemen, long-time listener, first-time emailer. That's it's a lie. not true. The, in the words of Maury, the lie detector test determined that that was a lie. Uh, have a couple of cues for the boys. One, looking up the current World Cup odds for a smart bet, which to you is the greatest value pick and which is the easy chump change dumb guy <laughs> bet? Okay, so he provided a link to VegasInsider.com, which we're pulling up. Okay. So the first, yeah, first, first, let's just go with like your your smart bet. So like, which favorite are you backing? Is basically I think that question. Yeah. Okay. Um. I think you, there are two. Mm, 
I have two smart bets without going with Brazil, who's the favorite. Yeah. I think that France and Argentina are both smart bets. I think the smart bet is Argentina. We both have talked. I don't know if we've recorded it when we've talked about it. We feel like this could be the year for a South American team to win it. I've been higher on Brazil. You've been on, you know, on the ground reporting all of the the star signs and smoke signals as to why this is a Maradona esque. Dude, we're in a simulation and everything is lining up. Every <laughs> new fact is lining up. So, so I, 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 I honestly believe that Argentina is the smart bet. <laughs> yeah, not as to the value bet, but it's somebody who I think is a favorite to win. And at plus seven hundred, you know, there's three teams that have a worse return than, than they do there, and I, I like them as much or more than, honestly, I like them, I like them more than two of the two people out of them, and I just, I just like Brazil more than them. It's the only one. Yeah. Okay. So that's the smart bet. Let's do dumb bet. Okay. Um, okay. I have mine. I mean, go with your dumb bet. England plus five fifty is the dumbest fucking bet possible. That the fact that England's odds are that high is ridiculous to me. That is a dumb okay. bet. Uh, we laughed at this one before, but dumb bet is Poland at 12,500. 12, that is... We've, we've discussed this for every major tournament we have covered. Poland has a bankable process they go into. Dark horse contender for a tournament and, and leading up to the tournament. Lose the first game. Go into the second game with a... It's, it, the first game is a, a winnable game that they lose. Yep. The second game is a game that they have to win to stay alive, and they lose. And the third game is a game that literally has no mathematical meaning on the rest <laughs> of the And then they win. <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah, so um, I think... Yeah, I think England and Poland are both dumb bets. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to say which is dumber, because England will go further in the tournament than Poland. Yes. But Poland does have better odds than England. So it's like... It's really a take your pick, but they're both a waste of money. It's like a t- take your pick on how you want to light your money on fire. And now we approach. I'll, I'll go with my, with. I'll, I'll lead off for the value bet. Please do. You lit up that once. There's a significant. So if you're looking at the odds, you know you've got your favorites, right? Basically, Brazil's four fifty, and then Spain just four or five spots down is is plus eight hundred. So that, that's that's a pretty significant like chunk. And then our next group, Germany's, Poland's, Netherlands, Belgium's, is a thousand to fourteen hundred. And then we get Denmark at plus twenty eight hundred. Semi-finalists in the Euros. <coughs> I really like this Denmark team. They play as a cohesive unit. They can score. They can defend. That would be my value pick as somebody who it's not likely they're gonna win. But if they do, it'll be a fucking fun ride and you can get some money out of it. Are you okay? I don't know, man. I think Eric is about to die on the podcast. Um, okay, this one's tough for me because I kind of see four value picks of like teams that I think could win it and they have great odds. It's hard to ignore. I'm just going to talk these out aloud and then pick one. Hard to ignore Germany plus 1,000 because Germany historically – almost always make the semifinals. Obviously, what happened in the last World Cup was Eric's fault because he picked them to win it and they didn't get out of the group stage. But uh, it's hard to see Germany having bad back-to-back World Cup performances just given their history in international tournaments. Portugal plus 1,200 is also really interesting 
because their squad is so fucking deep and talented. And, you know, if Cristiano Ronaldo's on for a month, he's on for a month. That's a good one. Netherlands it's, plus... It's, it's probably his last ride, you know, as a serious contender for a, a World Cup trophy. It, he is, so, I think he announced it's his last World Cup. So, even even, even more than probably then, I, he does always... You know, he strikes you as the guy that, that steps up in these big moments, so... Yeah. Then you have Netherlands plus 1,200. Again, they have a solid squad... Louis van Dijk were a little disappointing at the Euro. I'll probably say no to them. But then you have Belgium at plus 1,400 with the second best player in Europe and Kevin De Bruyne. That's a, that's a tough one to ignore too. And so, uh, Germany, Portugal, Belgium, between plus 1,000 and plus 1,400, all good bets. I might say Belgium's window probably just about passed if they weren't able to get it done in 2018. Portugal, uh, yeah, I'd say Portugal or Germany. I, I can't really decide between them, but at plus a thousand, plus twelve hundred, throw a hundred bucks on both, see what happens. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I see value in all those picks. I, I, I personally think Denmark makes it further in the tournament than Belgium and Portugal. Germany, you, you make, I mean, you make good points about all of them. Um, Dude, I would wait. What about? You know what? Senegal plus 8,000 is actually a really good value pick. Senegal's really good. Yeah. Value picks are that's, hard. That's I think Senegal's odds are more reflective of the coverage that they get than yes. it is. 1,000%. There's always been a media bias against African national teams. That's just the... Like the, fact, the fact that the, the team and the odds right after Senegal is the United States is incredibly disrespectful to Senegal and incredibly flattering to the United States. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, but that was a fun question, Preston. I enjoyed a little bit of World Cup talk. And then his... He numbered it his third question, but it's the second one in, in the list. So. Yes. How can Barca actually play these people on so much debt? As we said, we do not believe they will exist in five years. He's, of course, referring to the Bayern Munich execs who told that to the Barca during the Lewandowski negotiations, which was just an all-time... That was just a, That was just an all-time power move. Can we have an Oni for power moves? Yeah. And it could I mean, actually like, incorporate like, literal it, moves it, it, on the soccer field and, like, other moves. It's like inverse cook of the year. Yeah, power, just the bull of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically what Barcelona is doing is they're, they're selling out their di- different licensing agreements and TV rights for five to seven year periods. And they're basically kind of going all in on this one bet that by – kind of selling off certain bits and pieces for limited amounts of years. They're going to get enough money, reinvest the squad. The squad's going to be super successful. That's going to bring in more money, and they're going to be okay. It's all predicated on having a lot of team success immediately. And, and I wonder if it's also predicated on the assumption that if we bring in these players... We will exist in five years? We, we will win like Champions League, and we will win La Liga, which would give them higher payouts too, right? Yes, I, I think that's that's inherent, in it. and I also yep. think maybe they're making an assumption that they that they are too big to fail, and that if they get in dire straits, a bailout will come. Well, and we've all we've kind of always talked about how Barcelona. If you don't know about Spain, you know the Catalonia region they're in has always like they're like Texas complex times a billion, where they have legitimately wanted to secede from the rest of Spain and be their own country and. They even have, like, this, like, 
Catalan national team that plays these like little friendlies every now and again. And guys from the Spanish national team, like Xavi and Busquets have played on it before who are from the Catalan region. But there is like the rivalry between them and Real Madrid is much more than just a soccer rivalry. There's a, there's political rivalries. So it wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the rich people in Catalonia, a lot of the banks there did something to make sure Barcelona didn't fail because it's the symbolism the political symbolism it has in that region is super, it, super it high. Probably, it, it probably is the strongest um, representative of Catalonian, like, like soft power. Yes, completely agree. Um, okay, the second the question that's labeled as the second question, but is actually the third question, long-standing question. During the podcast introduction music, is someone snorting or sniffing during the song? <laughs> I haven't listened to the full thing in a while. I'll have to listen to it. I don't have an answer for this. Probably it, both. I mean, I I made the intro. I, I just ripped it from audio files of the commentary call of of commentary of an own goal. So it's it's not like we were pressing the record button while shit was happening. Yeah. So if anyone was snorting or sniffing, it was the commentators themselves when Bayi scored an own goal <laughs> one game you were playing Liverpool a few years ago. Or. Or it is just poor audio quality from my back alley dealings to get this audio file. Oh, one last thing we have to mention before we get into league recap, by the way. Ballon d'Or nominations came out. Oh, they did. Yes. For the first time since 2005, Leo Messi was not nominated for the Ballon d'Or. And just based on the season he had, he should he should not have been nominated, in my opinion. But it's were- still... A high, one of the, like one of the com, like one of the articles and all that shit was like Leo Messi snubbed from Ballon d'Or, which just because his name's not on there does not make it a snub. I agree. Now, just before the 1986 World Cup, Diego Maradona was similarly snubbed for the Ballon d'Or and then went on to win it. So, just putting that tickler out there. Uh, but we all know that Karim Benzema is going to win this, and if he doesn't, it will be the gravest. The gravest, the greatest, and the gravest travesty of justice since the bullshit ruling in his sex tape court case. It would be the greatest injustice since the Bologna Or decided not to have an award when it was Lewandowski's season away. And then decided the second season he probably should have wanted to make up an award to make it to Messi. Um... So I don't really give a fuck about Blown to Or. It is cool to see two Milan players uh, on the watch list and uh, only two keepers nominated, Thibaut Courtois, which makes sense after the, the, the Champions League he had for Real Madrid, uh, and then Mike, Mike Mignon, which really felt more like homerism from the French uh, media as he's a French goalkeeper and, you know, they love... I mean, uh, they I love- don't know if you can say it's homerism because when we talked about Milan winning the... The title you said he was one of the most, if not the most important player to that title. Yes. So I, yes, yes, he was. I. But I don't think he had a blown to or season. But was he one of the top? Like I don't know. You, I think I always feel like they got to throw on two I, or three goalies, and he's one of sure. the two or three goalies. That I, I would. I would That's argue he. I would argue he probably had the best goalkeeper season behind Thibaut Courtois because Thibaut was able to deliver incredible moments in a UCL. Uh, title run so you make yes. a very bad one that's what i'm saying i'm saying you gotta have a couple of goalies on there to keep them fucking happy you should have zero but you gotta have two i guess they're, it's like the token goalies <laughs> nobody wants them there but they're there um okay 
League recap. We'll start with La Liga. Barcelona, after doing all this shuffling, all this magic, all this firepower, to not be able to score a goal in their first game of the season. I, I actually had this game on. I actually I I had it as part of a parlay. I don't normally like watch too much random La Liga games, but I was like, you know, I'm very curious to see how this Barcelona experiment pans out. And I mean, my my takeaway was Lewandowski is going to score goals. He got some looks that were like half chances that he that he wasn't able to put away, but Lewandowski converts half chances more than half the time, right? Mm. So they're going to come. Mm. I honestly feel really good about my kind of preseason prediction about Barcelona being that it may take them a month or two to find their footing as a unit. I think that's looking good right now. I think but it was good. it was hilarious to to watch all that work. No goal for a drop of blood. So I it's funny you say that as an aside. I play tennis with one of our friends, as you know, who played Division One college tennis for a brief amount of time. So the gap in our tennis skill is quite a lot. And sometimes I will be literally running out of my mind and just like dying on a point and doing everything, and I win one point. And then I and then like I'm like I'm like huffing and puffing because I just had to do so much work. And I look at him and I say, shake my head and say, all that for a drop of blood. So just uh, funny. Funny that we go there. Uh, Real Madrid actually almost lost to newly promoted Almeria. They were bailed out by a late winner by uh, David Alaba. Uh, David Alaba, who was subbed in by Carlo and on his first touch of the game, scored on the free kick. Dude, Carlos, like, he is, he is like, in a hot, like, managers just get in this hot zone where just every sub they make is working. And he has just been in, like, the last over a year, he's just been zen. He's, like, in the shadow realm, just, like, fucking doing incredible things. He's not even here. It's incredible. Um, and before that, they actually, we forgot to mention this, uh, Real Madrid played Frankfurt in the UEFA Super Cup. They won 2-0 where Karim Benzema scored his 324th goal for Real Madrid. Significant because he passes Raul uh, to become Real Madrid's uh, second all-time top goal scorer. Only do Cristiano Ronaldo, who scored a staggering 450 goals in like 10 years. That is... No, I don't think any guy will ever beat that record. I mean, never say never, but... You'd have to you'd have to start playing for Real Madrid at 18, 19 starting, and then start putting those numbers that early. Yeah. It's just... But credit to Benzema, I think he went so... Unha- We've said this before, I'm not going to get deep dive into it. He's been unheralded for so long by so many people, yet those of us have always seen the light shine on his beautiful bald head. Uh, Karim Benzema. Those of you who, who, who appreciate amateur filmmaking. Yeah, those of you who are into Sundance and cons, you know, legitimate film festivals. Um, and now that he's getting the shine, I love it. Also, Karim Benzema would be higher than Eric Tenhag on my bald manager's power rankings. But, um, so yeah, La Liga, and then we mentioned uh, Atletico Madrid winning 3-0 today through Jao Felix. So, La Liga's getting going. Um, you have some U.S. Men's National news for us. On the La Liga front with Valencia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched the Valencia game as well. Um, so, Yunus Musa got a start <laughs> Sorry, there. Sorry, the you said, oh, yeah. Well, you didn't put it on the outline, so I I, uh, I 
got caught off guard a little bit. Gates is a slave to the outline. <laughs> yeah, I really am. So uh, Yunus Musa got a, got a start with Valencia in their first game. Uh, first game under Gattuso, if you don't count friendlies, you know, preseason shit. Um, fun, fun game. Yunus actually, probably in the first half or so, had two decent like scoring chances. One was one of his patented runs in the midfield where he just like pushes the ball ahead of his defender and then gallops forward, ripped one from out of the box, wasn't on target, but it was an exciting injection of, of adrenaline in, into the, the flow. And then he got off of like a broken down set piece. He latched onto the ball just inside the box. Uh, it got It got blocked by a defender, but it was a really, really awesome kind of exciting moment. Outside of that, he played pretty well. Valencia went down to 10 men with a red card with like 30, 35 minutes left to play. So they pivoted to a much more defensive format. But he played full full 90 minutes, put in a good shift. You know, had an errant pass here or there, but was a pretty solid outlet. Uh, pretty exciting. And, and if the rumors are true that Valencia are pushing for T- Timo- Timothy Weah uh, as well, I think that could be a really exciting uh, tandem to for U.S. fans to watch. And, and Gattuso's always an entertaining manager to, to watch. He was also I mean, just he was also just a colorful player. Yes, exactly. And he hasn't lost that color as a manager. Uh, so if you're ever, if listeners are ever looking for a La Liga team to support, you don't want to push for one of the big guys, uh, Valencia is a fun team with some good history too. And, and good friend of the podcast, uh, are you going to say? No, no, no. No, no. no that's not what I was going to say, so you say it. I can't say it. You say it. Well, I, thought, I really thought you were going to say it. I wasn't going to. I was going to talk about another team altogether. I don't believe it. I am, so you're going to say it. I okay, say then it. I'm not going to say it. Uh, you could also support Celta Vigo because they have Luca De La Torre on their team as well, and they will always take points off of the big teams. Yeah, but Luca didn't didn't play, which is pretty disappointing. I actually watched the first sixty minutes of that game too. <laughs> uh, for a guy who doesn't normally watch La Liga, you racked up a lot of La Liga this weekend. Yeah. If does it say it, I was gonna say uh, good friend of the podcast, Roger Gonzalez, is a longtime fan. Of CBS Luka. sports writer, friend of the pod, um, great tweets, good guy, good guy. I would highly, 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 especially if you're a U.S. men's national team guy, follow him on Twitter. Though he's very, very mean about the main East. Well, to delay returning to the Man U situation, why don't we switch down to Syria for for a quick beat? Uh, excellent. So we talked about yep. Milan a little bit. No, a little no, bit. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm setting it up. I'm saying we talked about Milan earlier. Okay, let's pick that back up. Yeah. So we are just uh, we are not on the same page today. No, we're not. I thought you were, I thought you were being like we talked about Milan. We're good. We'll move on. Well, to other the teams. problem is you're not talking to me as I am in 2022. You're talking about you're talking to me. You're talking about my my 2022 projection of myself in 2015, living in an alternate reality where Man U doesn't just start going up the roller coaster of colossal shit. Uh, so that's, that's, that's rough, man. I'm sorry, Baksha. Yeah, I'm kind of in an inception situation over here. <laughs> so. I, I talked about Rebic, which was really exciting. So Mitchell Milan got that 4-2 win, gave up a goal in the very beginning, and then at the very end of the first half, both off of poorly, poorly defended aerial balls. So a little concerned about like set-piece defending and aerial ball defending, especially 
with strikers in La, in Syria like Romelu Lukaku, Ed and Jacko, both for Inter. Strikers like Victor Oshiman, Napoli, as well as uh, Tammy Abraham. So gotta gotta clean that up. But all in all, I thought Brahim Diaz looked really good. Uh, created a lot of scoring chances. He created the chance that awarded the penalty and hit the assist to, to Rebic as as well as scored off some slop in the area. When you think about like a, a slop in the penalty area goal scored, you don't picture a tiny little Brahim Diaz as, as the guy muscling in there, but it was, it was really good to see, and he was, and I mean this in the best possible way, a pest in pressing high up the pitch. So I really felt like uh, Rebic and Brahim Diaz were making a statement to Maldini and co that uh, they focused on reinforcing the, the wrong positions this offseason as we still don't have a right wing improvement, uh, but we brought in people that can help with striker and center attacking mid. So uh, if he can keep this up, it, I think I'm just, it, it's all exciting for us. Calabria captain first, first game as the full captain, not, not the vice captain that he played last year uh, involved in every single good part of play in the first half and wasn't caught out defensively as far as I could tell for the full game. Really fun to see. If he can uh, stay healthy and keep this form up, having him and Teo Hernandez, who looks to be the designated penalty kicker, uh, while Ibra is at least out. This gives uh, me so much joy. That's, I'm all in all, pretty excited, pretty happy, concerned about aerial balls. Will be interesting now that, that Simon Kier is healthy. Uh, if he will push Kalulu for a spot to pair with Tamori, or if they'll keep Kalulu. Kier gives us that that strength in the air. Kalulu gives us an incredibly fast back four. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had any if you had any comments or thoughts on, on that game or. I think you you harped on um, how well Brian Diaz played, and I think um, I don't have anything to add to that. Um, should we go to the other side of Milan? Yeah. And by um, the other side, I mean say the same stadium. Yeah, same stadium, but you know the the team that did not win the, the title last season. No, Inter uh, Milan played away at recently promoted uh, Lecce. Score big Rom as I mentioned scored within the second minute of, of of game time, so right away it looked pretty set in stone that this would be a, a simple route for Inter. Turns out, shortly on the turn of the second half. They conceded an equalizer to Lecce and then just went all in on attack. Um, big swaths of, of time while it was 1-1 that Lecce were just defending for their lives and doing an okay job. At one point, I think we had like four or five forwards or strikers for Inter all on the pitch at the same time. I mean, we had Romelu Lukaku, uh, Latoro Martinez, Edin Dzeko, and Joaquin Correa all all in the field, and they all play as like striker or second striker, which was just a, a they they went for it, and it, it turned out exactly what was needed. Uh, Denzel Dumfries scored in the ninety fifth minute um, to give Inter three points that. I mean, you would not like your chances for a season if you started off dropping points to a recently promoted team. Yeah, and um, to add to that a little bit, on that same Saturday, uh, Atlanta got off to a 2-0 win against Sampdoria. 
there were a lot of 90th minute plus goals this weekend in Serie A, including in that game, the rattling the seal the 2-0. I just thought that was an interesting observation. Moving on to For Sunday, sure. Roma had a vintage Jose Mourinho 1-0 win against Salernitana. Salernitana, yeah. And uh, Lazio got off to a 2-1 win. Uh, Chiro Amoble got a goal. Probably going to be the league leader in goals, as he is almost every year. Uh, oh, what? I think you guys guys going to do it. Oh, Dusan Vlavic? Yeah. Possible. I think Chiro is won. Uh, they call it Cap- Capa Canary or something. He's won the, the award for the last five seasons. Um, but, I mean, Dusan's a great, a great pick for that. Fiorentina got off to a a win as well. Also, Fiorentina's win. I'm going to read the five names of the goal scorers because these are all incredible names. Dude, the first one on that list is my boy, Giacomo Bonaventura. Yeah, so that's in the 16th minute. Then in the 19th minute, David Okariki. Then in the 34th minute, Luka Jovic. Then in the 68th minute, Matteo Bianchetti. Then in the and then a third goal in the 90th plus five minute, Rolando Mandragora. These are just great names. Oh, absolutely. Um, so Fiorentina, if we recall last year, was an exciting team, um, and then they kind of lost steam when they surprise surprise when they sold Dusan Vlahovic. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they can play. You know, getting Luka Jovic, I think, is a is a good get for the team. Um, but then moving on to Monday. Napoli got off with the, to a wild start, Holy a five-two win over Hellas Verona. Um, and hey, Verona! Every time I see Hellas Verona, that song pops in my head. The rare five-goal game where it's five different goal scores for them, uh, including that. including Victor Oshiman. Scary for uh, Serie A fans to see him get off to a scoring start, uh, but also had uh, Zelensky and Politano score as well, which are important cogs for Napoli. And then finally. I hate to say it, Juventus look good. We know we were texting watching the Juventus game today, and you asked me, you know, about Di Maria, and I, I said, you know, he's always been good everywhere he played, but man, you, you know, maybe a little older, so maybe a downgrade from Dybala, and boy, did he shut us the fuck up. I mean, right after we kind of had that conversation, he kind of mishit that ball on the volley. But it looks so cool. Straight into the ground and kind of made it bounce over the keeper. Uh, he was a threat the entire game. And then, you know, Dusan Vlaovic already knocked two goals as well. So tied with Ante, uh, Ante Rebic for lead in the... But the biggest news of all is that Weston McKinney, after we were thinking he was going to be out the next few weeks with his um, shoulder injury, started the game. Yeah. Um, exciting. I mean, he's shown even since he broke through Schalke, um, he has picked up a less than ideal number of injuries, but it's almost always come back significantly quicker than the estimated out outage times. Yep. Uh, so he's he's got that Wolverine healing agent, uh, which is is fun for us. I mean, also, it's a shoulder injury, so it's, you know, as long as it feels it's healed and, and or, like, feels like it's not going to be coming out all, all over the place, you could probably get away with rushing that one more than some Especially kind of, if like, you, you put in a couple of Tartarol injections so it doesn't feel anything. And or even, you know. or, yeah, there's also a couple of, there's, there's, there's some, like, uh, braces you can, you can put on that will restrict your, your arm movement, and I feel like soccer's the 
sport most suited to be able to to re- properly restrict your your arm movement to protect the shoulder because you can kind of work around it. Um, the concern I have is he got started out on the left wing, so kind of would lead me to believe that in Allegri's system he's got him behind Locatelli and Dennis Zakaria in the depth chart. Probably has him behind Paul Pogba when Pogba's back. And this is a concern because when um, Federico Chiesa finally returns from his ACL tear that he had last season, he's going to slot in at that left wing spot. And it looks like we're going to have Weston probably at the fourth fourth on the depth chart of a two midfield system. Now, I, I think that's very astute observation. Con- it could also mean, though, that of the guys there, he felt Weston McKinney was best suited to play out of his natural position. So, sure. it's possible and, that it could be Pogba McKinney, but I agree that most likely it means uh, McKinney's third or fourth on the midfield depth chart. I do agree I, that's more likely than not. I'm not pressing the panic button, but I have opened the glass case that houses the panic button, you know? Um, and we've seen all throughout McKinney's history, managers play him out of possession, position all the time when they have a spot they need to fill. There was a season where he literally played every outfield position for Schalke except for every outfield position. He played every single one. The only position he didn't play was, was goalkeeper. So we've seen that that managers have noticed his adaptability and, and his flexibility. Yeah. Versatility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we go to the boring league? Sure. It's over. <laughs> Congratulations on another title. It's fucking... That league is such a joke when it comes to the title race, man. It's so, like it's so ridiculous. Um, have um, you noticed that with Tyler Adams gone out of that league too? Have, do you give a fuck about RB Leipzig? No, God no. I I I, I literally would not care if RB Leipzig got uh, relegated. Yeah, actually, neither would I. I that means nothing to me. They mean nothing to me. I don't care. I'm here. I'm here for Dortmund. Because Gio Rain is there, and I've always, you know, seen Dortmund as like, maybe, maybe. Oh nope, they can't. They fooled us though. Yeah. Um, and I follow my Americans, and then I'll follow a few other things. But yeah, not looking so good for Pepe at uh, Augsburg, unfortunately. He, he got nominal minutes. He got Christian Pulisic minutes in their most recent game. Jesus, uh, not great. Jordan Pifolk. Got off to a scoring start. Union uh, Berlin. Union Berlin. Yeah, no, Union, it's Union. Onion. 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 Berlin. No, I don't think it's Onion. I think it's Union. Preston said it's, it sounds more like Onion, so I'm going to say. He says onion. it's more like Onion than Union, so I think it's Union. Sounds like Onion to me. We got to peel back the layers on this one. That's an <laughs> Onion joke for all your listeners out there. Okay, fucking Shrek. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can we just move on? Yeah, but I'm. I'm. Are we really going to talk about? I, I, I was say. Or are you just are you just trying to delay the inevitable as long as possible? We need to talk about the Uber Eats League, also known as League. Uh, um, Neymar's off to a fucking hot start. He's got like what three goals, five assists, five goals, three assists. Neymar found out that Mbappe wanted him transferred and was like, "Honestly, this is probably the best thing for Neymar in Brazil." Yeah, he is looking yeah, good. Uh, Messi's looking much, much better than he did last year. Looking and, settled. And Mbappe's pissed off. Because he wanted Neymar gone. And like you said, Neymar didn't leave and found out. 
And you know Neymar and Messi are closer than a Brazilian and Argentinian should ever be. Very, at least a Brazilian and Argentinian soccer player should ever be in soccer. We're not saying Brazilians and Argentinians can't be friends. Well, that's what but, I was saying. But I said we aren't. You might be, but I wasn't. Right, right. No, Eric, the listeners understand that you definitely agree that Brazilians and Argentinians should never have any social interactions. We're all on the same page here, buddy. Um, so Mbappe's pissed. Yeah, he... There, <laughs> he is, you saw, you saw that... that that video right from this week okay i did see the video about okay here's my thing on those videos if you have played the game at a even a semi-competitive level you when you and you make runs and the guy with the ball doesn't even look in your driver direction i guarantee so, you every player so has done that before real every quick player. real quick for for the the listeners there's a, a, a video of uh, the recent of PSG's recent game where a counter breaks out. Mbappe starts his run out on the left, and I believe it's Messi bringing the ball up. And he's only ever looking to the right where Neymar is making a run. I think he eventually sends the ball out to Neymar, and they actually kind of overload the defense on the right side. And the left is gaping for somebody to make a later back post run and Mbappe is just like throwing his hands in the air and just like almost not even walking that's how slow he's moving so where like his full back behind him passes him trying to fill that space so if I get what you're saying in terms of like when you do, when you make that run you don't get looked at you get frustrated but there's a time and a place to show your frustration. Usually, like when the attacking play ends because they made the wrong decision and didn't go your way. But he makes that back post run, and he's got a great opportunity. And in a competitive league, that would be a valid point. But they PSG's going to win the league title, so it's like they didn't. It's not like and there was any consequence. You see what I'm saying? Like there's no. It didn't matter. Yeah, that's no, my I point. think I think I think Mbappe is frustrated that his player person his player personnel control is not as uh advertised as extensive as he thought probably didn't read the fine print you know that scene when um that scene in the new star wars movies when hux is like i don't care about your cause i just don't want ren to win Mbappe is dangerously in that sort of mind frame about Neymar. Um, but anyway, um, another great pod. So happy soccer's back. You can follow us. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. So we've got we've got our, our uh, Premier League recap, Donnie. Do you want to start at the top or the bottom of the table? Uh, let's start at the top. Oh, shoot. I forgot about that, guys. Sorry about that. I thought the podcast was over. My bad. Man City looks so good. So I would like to change my pick of Liverpool winning the title to Man City winning the title. Yeah. Because okay, they are... you, can you, you can change your pick if I can change one of my picks. <laughs> you want to change Man U at fourth? Yes. <laughs> okay, deal. Um, I'm switching Liverpool and City in my order. And I'm dropping Man U out and I'll put Chelsea at fourth. Okay, I, ha- I wrote this all down in a notepad somewhere in this office, so I'm going to be shuffling around for that. While you're shuffling around, I'll, I'll just vamp for a while. Uh, yeah, Man just carry City, the pod. Man City look 
scary as fuck. Um, KDB, you made a joke, you made a comment about him being the second best player in Europe. Sure, Donnie. He's wait. Who are you the- putting at fourth for Manu? Chelsea. So you still have Arsenal out. That's interesting. Actually, fuck. I honestly forgot. Wait, you have Liverpool winning the title. Do I really? Yeah. That's okay. I still, I mean, I still need. You have Man City in third. You're even crazier than me. I'm wrong on that one. Um, Just kidding. We're not changing anything. It makes it that much funnier. But these are the overreactions. I want to change. So... Yeah, I forgot to bring that up for the other leagues, but we'll just do it for the Premier League on the, this week. Uh, but Man-, Man City looked terrifying. Yeah, and all those misses Erling Holland had in the Community Shield, he scored two goals in the first game. So he's and he and uh, there's a chemistry with him and De Bruyne. Yeah, you mean one of the best midfielders in the world and one of the best strikers it's, in the world are going to have fun playing with each other? <laughs> it's a chemistry of like two people be like, oh, I, I've or not because De Bruyne's worked with other world-class strikers Aguero. i think holland it's holland's like i i have a provider who is at my level or you know above his level for now yes agreed um yeah man city they look very scary they the yeah that just yeah. you know who looks really good Tottenham. Tottenham. Strong start. Uh, Destroyed Southampton 4-1 without Harry Kane and Son even being significant factors. Gave up the first goal, but roared back to life. I think it was Dejan Kulisewski who kind of uh, knocked what a, two goals for what them. What a signing he has been for them. Yeah. Uh, guy that couldn't really fit into form at Juventus. They brought him over and Rodrigo Bentecourt, who has been playing well, well for them too. So looking good. In week one, also, I mean, yeah, they they drew this week, but I mean, a draw against Chelsea is is not not something to hang your head against. It, it, well, it's also the fight back they showed in that game too. Going down, yeah, and I mean, should we just talk about it? Tuchel and Conti. I, I'm clearing the lane. I want I want I want you to go in on this one. They had halftime altercation, full time altercation. Conti was shitposting on Instagram later that night, probably fucking drinking some nice Italian wine, shit-faced. These guys fucking hate each other. And you know, you look at them, you gotta give Tuchel the reach. He's much taller, but there is no doubt in my mind... Conti got that dog in him. Conti has that dog in him. Conti would fuck Tommy Tukes up. But oh my god, I cannot wait for... I hope these teams get drawn in, the, in both cups against each other. Yes. I hope they. I, I hope they play each other in... Every conceivable way. League knockout rounds. Oh my god. The, the, this is what makes... That game was the best game of the weekend in the Premier League. And it was... Them hating each other is like... That's what I love. I cannot wait for the return fixture. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm so pumped. Also, um, Tuchel made a comment, I think, after Conti's uh, late night Instagram post. About how like uh, he was always taught that you're supposed to look someone in the eye when you shake their hands, and then I've seen super cuts to like today of all these times like last two seasons where when Tuchel hasn't gotten the win or like what he should have or or has got or has straight up lost of him refusing to look other managers in the in the face when shaking their hand. There's one where Sean Dyche is shaking his hand and Tuchel is like literally looking into the clouds because he's pissed off that they couldn't beat Burnley. 
So, fucking hypocrite. This is Frank. so big for you in the gates of Google. This is huge. You this are. Is huge. This is like your comeback tour has started. Antonio Conte in that game was my steering animal. You guys were one. <laughs> I think. You, I think I was there. I was honestly that was me in his body. Like he had a devil and an angel on his shoulder telling him like how to react, and the devil was just like you, like yes, yes, hate him, do hate it. the tall German, do it. <laughs> um. Chelsea kind of sputtering too because they they barely beat Everton on a Jorginho penalty. Yeah, and I mean the penalty was rightfully called, but it was sloppily given. Like it, it, it. Everton, if Everton wasn't destined for a relegation battle, like there's a very good chance they could have gotten out of that game zero zero or even with with a goal. It it all comes down to if a team is able to shut down Chelsea's uh, fullbacks, they don't have an attack. Yeah, I mean, besides the penalty, both their goals against Tottenham were scored by defenders with Reese James and um, your guy. A rocket, a rocket from Koulibaly. Yeah, Koulibaly. Um, on the volley, great strike. He's gonna be he's gonna be a great signing. Um, and I know they had to reinforce their defense, but they need to reinforce their managerial tactics to open up their offense. They have such a talent. I mean, they have talented offensive players. You know who else look really, really good? You know who look really, really good. Like, really good? Really, really good. And they have me to thank for this because I did not pick them in my top four. Arsenal look really fucking good. Nice 2-0 win against Palace. And then Gabriel Jesus drops a two-goal, two-assist performance against Leicester City. Who? They look really good. Like, they look good. Like, we mentioned, I mentioned before the season that one of the things I was really excited for this season is watching, like, the... Tottenham v Arsenal of it all and both off to a strong start but kind of got to give the edge maybe right now just to Gabby Jesus yeah, um, let Jesus take the wheel fi- fixture strength is a little 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 hard to gauge when when you had when Tottenham had to play at Chelsea yep. uh, and and Arsenal got to play you know a free-falling Leicester but you can't you can't hold that against Arsenal. They look really really good. I'm I'm really excited to follow the Arsenal the, the Arsenal v Tottenham of it all uh, moving forward. Agreed. Um, should we check in on a couple of uh, Americans in the Premier League? Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think our our, our first American check in will also let us talk about another contender at the same time. Yeah, uh, Fulham. Fulham America. Fulham America, Jedi Robinson and Tim Ream getting the start in a 2-2 draw with Liverpool where, again, Jedi Robinson did a great job against the Liverpool attack. First half, he shut down Mo Salah. Uh, he has played half, well against Mo Salah these last few years. Second half, started off, I mean, he started off pretty well against him. Once uh, Liverpool brought in Harvey Elliott and they kind of started overloading the, the sides, uh, Salah got more involved in the game, but that wasn't because like Jedi was getting burnt or exposed. It was just different. Ma- there was a tactical shift that that opened up the the attack a bit more. But really strong outing for Jedi Robinson. Also, pretty strong defensive outing from Tim Ream, captain of Fulham. Tim Ream. Um, it was pretty cool. Every time he made some kind of intervention, all the fans at Craven Cottage shouting out Ream. You know, like the like the, the kind of deep ream voice. It was, it was fun to watch. Um, didn't think I would have a lot of positive callouts for Tim Ream this season, but 
Um, he's he's looking good, and, and yeah, Jedi just looks he looks a Premier League caliber fullback, which is all which is what we need going into this World Cup. But you know what, Mitrovic, after setting the championship ablaze in its greatest goal scoring season ever, two goals already to start the campaign. He is. I just hope he has a great goal scoring season, even if he doesn't win the Golden Boot. He just like I love that he's just picking up where he left off and is just scoring goals. So I mean, first week worked uh, for, or not worked worked Trent Alexander Arnold um, on the on the the aerial ball, just classic. And I think he's the first person to successfully dribble past Virgil Van Dyke and score. Um, yes. In, since Virgil Van Dyke's been in the Premier League, he got VVD to concede a sloppy penalty. Just got got caught trying to take cookies out of the jar, um, and then then this week failed to convert a penalty. So that you know, it's a knock against. Also got into a really heated exchange with uh, one of the the defenders. I think it was like Gibbs Palmer or somebody. Um, you know, he might not always deliver this season, but he's always going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and um, Fulham got in a 0-0 draw with Wolves, which isn't a bad result by any means. But, you know, they started out getting two points. They, they had to play Liverpool in the first game where most people would say they should have gotten, you know, they would have gotten zero points on paper. So, you know, I, I see a lot of positive things for Fulham, and I really do hope they stay up. And I think they can stay up. But they, they, if they are going to stay up. Mitro, when the opportunities come for Mitro, like that missed penalty, he does have to convert them. And you know something that would be great to see uh, Jedi improve on is his his like his supply into the box. Uh, he he seems to do a pretty solid job of that with the states. But you know that, that would if I had to find a nitpick, that would have been maybe something from this Wolves game that would have been nice to see a little bit better of. That's all. Um, and I guess maybe talk about Liverpool for a second, and then we'll jump to Leeds. Yeah, so we mentioned, you know, obviously the the draw with uh, with Fulham. I thought when they brought in Darwin Nunez um, for Roberto Firmino, opened up play a lot more. They they you know he scored, he assisted, he scored a goal assisted by Salah. He assisted a goal scored by Salah. Uh, so that looked to be a pretty promising partnership. But I mean. Scoring two goals is great, but giving up two goals and, and just the way they gave those up, they, they looked sloppy. And then they were exposed today against Crystal Palace on the counterattack, got burnt by Zaha, who scored against them. Then Nunes did a boneheaded play by headbutting a Crystal Palace player, which is always going to be a red card. It was stupid. It was it was like a rebuttal for a shove, but it, was a, it wasn't really a shove. It was kind of a push. On his, on like uh, the arm was already extended, and the defender kind of like pushed his shoulder after Nunez kind of almost accidentally headbutted him earlier, and like, and then he intentionally headbutted him. Um, if you're gonna intentionally headbutt somebody, go the full Zidane, like plant the guy on his ass, and he don't just like do the ass. like the head into them, like cock back and slam. Yes, uh, it was so it was it was it was comically delivered. Um, and it was just bone. It was just stupid. Yeah. And but, you know, things look bad for Liverpool down a man down one. Oh, then Luis Diaz just hits a banger. It was a hold my beer. I'm going to write the ship. For, you know, yeah. Real quick. And so Liverpool get out with a one, one draw in that one, which going down a goal and then losing a man is actually a pretty decent result, but two points in their first two games and are in 12th. 
and uh, we also saw the Premier League debut of Chris Richards. Yes, we did. Crystal Palace. He came on to help them hold on to that 1-1 draw, hold on to that point result. And he did his uh, job. Slotted at fullback, won several aerial duels, you know, played his part defensively. Actually had a pretty sweet uh, flick on header uh, from a corner that um, resulted in a scoring opportunity. It just wasn't able to be converted. So I, I, I like what we saw. His aerial prowess looked good. Hopefully he can earn a spot in the, the coming weeks and months as a starter, especially if, you know, one of the disappointing parts was Palace went three center backs and Richards wasn't one of those three from the get-go, right? But, you know, he... he He's is, a new signing, too. He didn't, he do, a full, he didn't do a full preseason with the team. Yeah. So, so no, no reason to hit the, to, to hit the panic button yet. Yeah, I'm not even opening the glass case yet. Yeah, and you know the thing is, Liverpool are starting uncharacteristically slow, but they're gonna be they're gonna pick up pace. Mo Salah's gonna get going. At the end of the day, they're gonna be fine. It's not, it's not really anything concerning. It's a little comical for now, but it's not really a long term yeah. concern in my opinion. Oh, right. also, um, Jurgen Klopp after the Fulham draw, blaming the pitch at Craven Cottage for being too dry. Just all time Klopp being a big crybaby. And it's like, dude, there's an unprecedented heat wave in all of Europe right now. Like, fuck off. Fuck off, you whine a little bitch. Also, uh, shortly after that, Crave like like Fulham uh, released you know uh, uh, like an image, and it was Craven Cottage, and it was the sprinklers going to full blast, and it was just like beautiful day at Craven Cottage. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> I never like when the managers criticize the opposing team's ground it's crew. Such a slap or, or, or Tuchel who criticized his own grounds crew last year. Which was wild. To it's me. such a slap in the dick to to the grounds crew. Kicking right to the people that work so hard. Like that is their profession. Show yeah. show a little respect, Clock. Show a little respect. Yeah. Um, leads. Pretty pretty wild first two games. Fell behind kind of early in in week one. Um able to muster uh and this is against wolves able to muster a comeback and you know a lot of a lot of chatter around the uh the the twitterverse and and other areas of social media about how Im- impressive Britton aronson's performance was in that first week over the first two weeks somebody who really has to stand out even though we i like to focus on the americans is rodrigo Going to be critical for them. He is really good. Also, I think the big uh, notice for me was how much better leads are when Bamford is, is healthy. You yes. know, he spent a good chunk of last season out hurt. He had to leave uh, week two game. And, you know, leads went up to a 2 nothing lead. Kind of blew that in the final 30, 30 minutes or so. Felt like Jesse Marsh... Should have made his subs 15, 20 minutes earlier than he did, and that may have cost them two points there. But you know, Marsh is a smart guy, and and I I believe that he will use this as a learning as a as an as a personal learning opportunity to you know not let the game slip by him because they had they had that result against Southampton and then just blew it. Yeah. Um... And also good news is that Tyler Adams has started both games, you know, Brendan Aronson playing. So we're at least getting a couple of key Americans. 
with them and Anthony Robinson who are getting, you know, we're worried about some guys PT, but we're having some guys who are getting, getting consistent PT, um, which is really great. And um, so we've covered Leeds, we covered Fulham, we covered the title contender. That's it, right? We're done. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing else for you, my friend. I mean, if you have nothing else to say, um, you know, then there's nothing else to say. Uh, and, there, and, there, and there may not be anything else to say. Um, next matchup is against Liverpool. So, good news. One of two things will happen. Somehow. Some way. I, I already told you that there was no way. So Somehow, some way, it. United get a result, and that will be dope. Or... You're right about Liverpool just being off to a slow start, and there's no reason for them to panic. So you're either going to be happy or you'll be right. I'm going to be right and unhappy. I, that's yeah, guaranteed. There you go. That's something, man. That's a win. That's a personal win. For the first time ever, Brighton Hove Albion beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. For the first time ever, Brentford beat Manchester United, and it was 4-0, and it was an appalling game in every sense of the word. De Gea was horrible. Uh, the only credit De Gea will get from me is that he took full personal responsibility for his atrocious mistakes and asked that he be the player to do the interview so he could take the brunt of that responsibility. I will respect his honor as a man. I will not respect the shit he did on the field wearing that jersey. Manu look horrible. Their lack of midfield is in display. Harry Maguire is terrible. Uh, I've said all along to you that a 5'9 center back will get burned in the Premier League second game. He literally and tries to jump, maybe gets an inch off of the ground, and get concedes a header. Um, I'm part of the hashtag free Ronaldo movement. With what what's left of these twilight years of his career, he shouldn't have to deal with this shit. He's a Man U legend. Certainly has done more for the team than any person who's at the club right now. Any person who's at the club. He's done more for that club than them. Um, Marcus Rashford still is not good at soccer. Um, fuck man, what, what what else do you want me to say? The, the no, you, no, no, you, I, I wasn't being. We're, we're starting Harry Maguire over Raphael Varane. Don't understand that. Uh, Erickson can't play the six, by the way. Um, I, it was hard for me to tell during the Brentford game who Erickson was playing for. Seriously, I was. It, 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 there were moments where I was like. Did he just big brain this as, like, a secret agent? Um, I'm glad we signed this exciting young left back in Tyler Malasia, in Ty- uh, Tyrell Malasia, but uh, we ever going to play him? Or are we just going to keep watching the same four people? So we're just keep watching Luke Shaw is obviously not what he was in the 2020-2021 season. We're going to – I mean, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, it – it is a problem that I've always said, even when we hired Tim Hag, until uh, leadership starts at the top, the Glazers, I don't expect the Glazers to know anything about soccer. What I expect them to do is, is, do, is hire people who know shit right about people. soccer. Yeah. yeah. Because obviously you guys became very, very wealthy. And in part of that wealth accumulation, you learned how to identify talent, exploit, and I don't, I'm not trying to even say exploit talent, exploit a negative word, use that talent in the right way to what... To better yourself. All I ask is you do that same thing for Manchester United. (sighs) And we've talked about this offline. Like, the problem is United became so successful. Economically. As as a business off of 
the exploits of the Sir Alex Ferguson machine that United today does not have to be successful with results to be successful as a business. So that, that the Glazers can continue to just take money out of United, reap the benefits, and and put you know not have to set aside those dividends for infrastructure, for improvements, for squad development. They don't even have to give a fuck about who's running the operations and are they doing a good job. It's it's the only club that that's where that exists. And I mean, long term, that 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 can't keep right. Eventually, that that will will crumble. Obviously, the fucking hope is somebody can have a come to Jesus moment and see the light before it gets anywhere near that point. Right? That's well. I think it's going to no, come no, down. No, no fan deserves to have an owner like the Glazers own their club. You may call this an overreaction, but I can guarantee two things right now. One, Manchester United will not finish in the top four. The other teams are just far superior in every way. Two, Manchester United will not finish in the top six. Manchester United's worst ever finish post Alex Ferguson was the David Moyes season when he took a champion-winning team and made them seventh. Manu will finish at seventh at best, very much likely worse. Would not be surprised if we saw eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh. If we get out of the relegation zone, by the way. So I, I wanted to do a first two weeks overreaction, proper reaction. So, oh, like, like this would be what in, in the first two weeks, what you've seen, what is your number one biggest overreaction? And then knowing that it's probably an overreaction, what is the, the more accurate to view it? So for mine, I'll go ahead and, and go log, log one out there. And that's, Arsenal are title contenders. That's the overreaction. The yeah. reaction, the proper reaction is Arsenal are going to finish top four, yep. and Gabby Jesus is going to contend for top score. Yeah, I think that's totally correct. Right, that's... Um, the overreaction is that Manchester United are going to get relegated. <laughs> okay. Because they're currently last place yeah. with West Ham and Everton. <laughs> going and... to get relegated. That's your overreaction. <laughs> Um, the realistic take is that we will finish mid-table anywhere from 8th to 12th. Okay, yeah. So I, I thought you were going to go with uh, going to get relegated as the overreaction, and the realistic reaction is that they're in a relegation battle, which would still be an overreaction. <laughs> uh, really funny. But I think you're, I think you're, you're, you're dead on. Yeah. Um, there's only one? <laughs> okay. In addition to playing FIFA 15 to keep my spirits alive, there is only one other thing that I cling to. Cling to. And this is so stupid that I cling to this. But it's like either this or the Doomsday Clock hits midnight and nobody wants that. The last time Manu lost their first two games to open a season was the inaugural Premier League in 92-93, and they won the title. Hey, hey. So if fourth we, place, fourth place, not sending so stupid now, huh? No, fourth place. <laughs> there's stupidity, and then there's what you said on the last podcast, which I don't even know how to contend with right now. No, I, I do feel honestly really bad about that. Clearly, it's not my fault because what, what's hey Eric? What's it like to sit up there 
on top of your uh, Serie A championship, on your perch of glory, looking down on the lowly scum like myself. It's honestly a perch of guilt. I was honestly, Donnie, watching that Brentford game, I was racked with guilt. <laughs> racked with guilt. Because, like, when, when, we, when we gave up, especially that second goal to, to be level again at 2-2 after a, the second really shitty aerial defending, I was like, I cannot complain. Like, I, I can't just shut the fuck up, Eric. I cannot complain because Donnie is going to blame you for this because of what you said about United. It was irresponsible of me to wield the curse the way I did. I did not do it intentionally or with malice of forethought, but I do understand that I may have impacted some things on a cosmic scale. But the good news is the E-Gates 84 curse is not this strong. It is not solely responsible for what has happened Dude, last season you said Manu were going to finish second again, and you had um, we finished sixth, and we fired Ole, and we had to deal with Ralph. And you do the same shit again. Next season I will not be picking United in my top four. Thank you. That's all I ask. All I I ask... might I might pick them for promotion if they do get relegated though. <laughs> okay, we're done. We're done. The podcast is ending tonight. Right now. You can follow us at Twitter at Pod. Fuck you, Eric. Uh Instagram at Pod. You can email us ungolpod at gmail.com. Uh, I need to go wallow in my misery and uh, continue my alternate FIFA reality. <laughs> With that, bye. It's in, it's an goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car.